Hey, and welcome back to the Veggies and Virtue podcast. For these Wednesday episodes, I'm going to be trying something new as we kind of get underway with 2024. It is hard to believe that this is going, it's my sixth year in business doing private practice with Veggies and Virtue, and it's evolved a lot over the years as my life has evolved, as we've added kids to my family, as I've worked exclusively at nap time and nighttime, or when I've had kids in mom's day out or in elementary school, or now as we adjust to a partial homeschool schedule. And I'm so thankful for the flexibility of that. But something I think that's really cool too, is just to see the different ways that I've worked with families over the years. And while I'm really enjoying and excited about how my packages are right now in terms of how I work with families one-on-one and my online courses and the different things that I do have available for families, I also look back to some of the questions and comments and just conversations that I think have been really helpful. And so in attempts to optimize and make my own time as efficient as possible, and yet still make sure that these episodes are relevant and hopefully efficient and effective for you as a listener as well, I'm going to go back in some of my old archives back from when I had a course called the Academy, if you're familiar with that. It's not a course I'm still running. I've adapted it and evolved it. And now it's most of the content is built into the new online course that I have, Mealtimes Made Easy Method. But a lot of the conversations that came up when we did these group coaching calls, I think is still really helpful for other parents to hear. One, something I think that's really helpful is just the validation of what other parents is going are going through. And this was now some of these uh, playbacks are from now like five years ago. And so while some of my advice might have shifted or something I'm noticing really consolidated, y'all know I can be pretty wordy, but I've definitely developed a little bit more finesse in how I coach families through this, I think over the years. However, I think that there's still a lot of really good insight and information and encouragement for each of you. So for at least the next few weeks on these Wednesday episodes, you know, on Monday's episodes, I do pray and meal plan, and it's really specific to helping you prepare for the week. But these Wednesday episodes, I want to just kind of take 10 and take a 10 minute clip from some previous session I've done with permission. It might be a one-on-one session, but since those tend to be a little bit more personalized and customized advice. I want to take a bit more of a high-level overview and give you some of these snippets of questions that came up in group-level Q&A, where, you know, if you were looking at a mom's thread and you were asking a question of, what do I do when my child comes back not eating their lunch from kindergarten, how would I, as a dietitian mom, be responding to moms with those questions? So with that, I'm going to go ahead and read to you one of the listener-submitted questions back from when I was doing these group Q&As for a program I previously ran. And the mom asked, packing a school lunch for my kindergartner has become stressful. I worry about him getting a nutritious lunch that is fulfilling to get him through the rest of the day, but he always comes home with most of his lunch untouched and his love at foods gone. I found myself only giving them things I know he'll eat. Of course, they aren't super nutritious. Even things he loves to eat at home, he sometimes won't touch at school. Any tips for school lunches? Another mom echoed the question, and at the time I was kind of gathering uh, similar questions and putting them um, together for the conversation, but the other mom had shared similar stresses here, and I particularly find it difficult to find things to pack that my kids like that don't need to be heated up, plus our school is nut-free. 
So I know especially as we go back from winter break, or even if you're hearing this any time of year, it can be a real challenge, regardless of the age and stage of your child. If you're trying to pack really nutritious meals for your child, and yet all the quote-unquote healthy options are coming back untouched, and your child's only selectively eating from what's offered. So I want you to go ahead and kind of listen to this conversation, and then I'm going to recap it at the end for your key takeaways from this Take 10. Hey mama, I'm Ashley and welcome to the Veggies and Virtue podcast. In this podcast, you will find simple menu ideas, kitchen organizational systems spelled out for mom life and feeding tips and tricks that are both evidence-based and grace-laced. I believe that you can find flexibility when it comes to feeding your family so that you can feel calm, capable, and connected in the kitchen. As a registered dietitian and Christian mom of three myself, I want you to break free from the mealtime battles and to feel equipped while feeding your kids all day long. Pull up a stool at my kitchen counter and let me pour you a cup of coffee and say a quick prayer for you. It's time to chat about the mealtimes, messes, moments, and ministry of motherhood. You had mentioned some challenges with packing lunches. Do you want to elaborate on what your question was asking? Well, I guess I just worry now that he's at school on his own in kindergarten. I'm trying to pack lunches that have the like it, love it, learning it. And then I worry that I'm not there if he wants more of the love it food, which of mm-hmm. course he does. I'm not there to offer him additional of that. So mm-hmm. then when that's the only thing that's eaten in his lunchbox when he gets home, I just worry that he's not getting the nourishment that he needs to make it through the rest of the school day. They do have an afternoon snack, but it's kind of a buddy system. So a parent is in charge for everyone's snack on a different day. Okay. So the snacks are usually fun things, goldfish or cookies, which is great. But I just worry that all he ate that day was macaroni and cheese and goldfish. (laughs) I guys just worry. That's a great question. So a few thoughts that came to mind. One, in hearing your question in terms of like doing the different love it, like it, learning it components. My hope is that for each of you, you guys will see how including preferred and non-preferred foods can promote variety and help your kids learn to like new foods moving forward. Sometimes what we can see happen though, and this is something honestly I've had to even trial and error in my own life and with my own kids is initially I was very dietitian mom, like eager with my first kid. And I sent like all these very adventurous lunch boxes and they came back come like to your point, very untouched. And I do think when we're looking at school nourishment, we want to really be fueling, focused on fueling our child rather than promoting learning to like tight feeding environments. And part of that just comes down to the factor of when we evaluate what the school lunchtime structure is like, it's rushed, right. distracted. They have competitive foods everywhere with what their friends are eating. They're probably not super inclined to want to learn to like these very unfamiliar foods. And so I myself and as a dietitian believe that like as we look at school lunches being for nourishment during the school day, they're learning a lot of things already. They're probably not going to be making a ton of progress. Again, exposure is great. But I would say like put like one learning it food tops in that lunchbox or try and do predominantly love it foods with maybe switching up the variety of it, maybe making one variation of a food that you know that they love. So for any of you who like have my combination cards, you know, on the back, it shares five different variations of every base combination meal. So it might be PB and J, but maybe you make different variations of that. Even if your kids, one of your child's only love it foods is PB and J, or as you mentioned, mac and cheese. 
How can you make some different variations? So they're still becoming more comfortable with different ways foods can be offered, different presentations of familiar foods, things like that. So you can kind of stretch them a little bit. This isn't what I think you're doing, but I think it can have the tendency to just kind of shut them down because they're like, what am I going to do with this? I've never even touched this. And now they have all these other things and pressures and distractions and things going on that I don't think that that tends to be the best environment for our children to learn to like new foods. And then also be considerate of on weekends, how can you be trying to more proactively expand some lunchtime options? And so thinking through what do you offer on the weekends? And I know you mentioned things that he'll eat at home. Sometimes he won't touch at school. So I don't know if that's where that comes into play. But sometimes we can be working on the meals that are at home and are in a more like calm, less rushed environment on that learn on the process of learning to like it and food exposure and things like that in a way that won't be a missed eating opportunity for them at school when they do only have so much time and so much option in front of them of what to eat. Does that help at all? Absolutely. Yeah, it does. For sure. Erica, I don't know if you wanted to add anything to that. Um, Did that answer your question, Hayden? Do you have any other questions on that or on the note of like things that he would touch at home that he won't touch at school? Yeah. I mean, I just, that, I guess that just trips me up sometimes because like I'll put yogurt in his lunchbox. I mean, when he's at home, he loves yogurt, but he will not touch it if it's in his lunchbox. Hmm. I don't know if it's because, so I've like tried to make only give him things that are easy to open and I'm trying to make things easier at lunchtime, but just still like I bought a bento box so that everything can be right there. He doesn't have to do anything except open it up and eat what he wants and still things just, and I think it's just too, he's just overwhelmed and it's a new thing. That's such a short amount of time that they have to eat. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a lot of different com- combination of things. And I, I think you're right. Just keep it simple at lunch and not overwhelming with things that he just is like, well, I don't want that. I don't <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go ahead, Erica. Oh, I was just going to say, I really like, the idea of expanding their lunch like horizons if you will on the weekend so then give yourself more of an arsenal during the week because mm-hmm. right now my oldest is in daycare and they will like store food cold or heat it up but I know once we start kindergarten next year we're gonna not be in a refrigerator or not have anything to heat up so I'm definitely gonna focus on practicing on the weekend <laughs> Yeah. And that's something that we'll talk about working with the love it foods you have, but leveraging those, trying to help build bridges to expand to new options. But with the reality of like school lunches, there are some tools that you can use like thermoses, or you can use thermoses for cold things like a yogurt also, or warmed up for like a mac and cheese, but definitely trying to practice things on weekends and giving them like the first go at home. And maybe you guys just make it a thing too, where you do trial runs and You practice on weekends, packing it and storing it and then like make it into a picnic, but at least you're there and you can kind of help either. You can kind of help observe certain things of like, oh, wow, I had no idea that this cheese stick is so hard for you to open. It probably takes you five minutes of lunch just to have someone come over and help you. And to Hayden's point, you were mentioning how you make things easy to open and we all kind of learn this, but especially when it's our first kid in kindergarten, there's just, we don't know what we don't know. And so sometimes kind of walking through that process with our child to see what they're going through or to see what questions they have or to see what works or what doesn't can help bring their anxiety down. And the point that I was going to make before is for those of you who have watched the first module being all about, you know, our own anxieties and insecurities as parents, but also that of our children's, we can understand like how that anxiety appetite relationship plays in, in an environment like school. So we can best support our child. Another thing, whether you kind of do trial runs on weekends or not 
is to have your child help you pack lunches. If you haven't already gotten the combination cards, if that's a tool that you think would be helpful, sometimes for kids, it can be really nice for them to have something visual to look at rather than like this hypothetical thing or this Pinterest image you see on your phone or something like that to see, oh, I want that or, oh, let's make that or, oh, this looks good or, oh, I'm definitely not touching that. And just to kind of get the wheels turning, but it can also involve them in a process. And I know that's a question that comes up a little bit later, but if you can engage your children in making the lunches and kind of chatting through the different components of what you want them to have, again, you're setting boundaries of, okay, well, we're going to pick some sort of a rainbow food or, okay, let's pick something from this food group or some bento boxes already going to have it labeled or whatnot. But that can also be another good way to help get your child to buy into what they're having and for you to hear their insight and for them to know like you, you are listening to them. You do care about their opinions. You're taking that into consideration. It gives you a lot more insight and potentially the struggles that they are having maybe as to why they're not eating it. Anytime I do this with my own kids, I just hear things where I'm like, wow, I never would have thought of that. Or I would think something is super cool. And they're like, oh no, people thought that was super weird or thought I was X, Y, Z or things. So when you get involved in the process with them, you can get a lot of insight from your kids that you otherwise may not even be able to kind of think up on your own. Okay. So I want to go ahead and recap five of the key things that I heard coming up in this conversation that I think you can take and implement in your own life if this is a struggle that you're facing. And first of all, it's to remember that while I do love and I have come up with a trademark, love it, like it, learning it, as an opportunity for us to continue to offer new variety and to add in nourishment to what our children are enjoying, it's also important to remember what environments our children are truly able to learn to like new food. I was just talking to a client one-on-one about this recently because there's times where we as parents don't have the capacity to cook or to help kind of foster that feeding environment where we can even facilitate our child learning to like a new food. There's also certain times and environments where our kids don't have the capacity to learn to like new foods. And so we have to be really in tune with that. And specifically when we talk about school, school, our kids are already being exposed to so many new wonderful things. So we really need the lunch to offer some easy nourishment. Now, I don't mean just simple carbs necessarily here, but we do want to be giving them some familiar foods that will be easy for them to eat, that are efficient source of calories and nutrients for them. Sometimes it does seem like it's just calories and not the widespread nutrition that we want. But as I suggested to the moms on this call, I would encourage you to send no more than one learning it food in a lunchbox. You're not packing your kid's lunchbox to impress other people. You're sending it to fuel your child for school. So have that be one of your key priorities. Number two, something to really think about and to maybe speak with your child about, especially if they're younger or just switched to a new school or are just entering into, say, elementary school at like the kindergarten age, because the school time structure is much different. Oftentimes the length of time that they get is different. The pace in which they have between If they buy a hot lunch or by the time they sit down and if they need to get up and get something or if they need someone to help them open something, the chatter between them and their classmates, when they're allowed to talk, when it's quiet, there's so many distractions. If you've never been able to go have lunch with your child, go do it as soon as you're able to because it really does give you a good perspective of what it's like in that classroom or in that cafeteria and how distracting that lunchtime environment can be. 
So be tuned in with that so you can think realistically what is something that they can even do with the time and the experience that they're offered in that school environment. Number three, I want you to think about how can you stretch what they already love? This is where we go not all the way to a learning at food that something may be very new and unfamiliar, but instead, how can we make new variations of their preferred food? If we know they love PB&J, how can we change up the color, the shape, the taste, the texture, or the temperature of that so it's a little bit different? We want those changes big enough that our child notices, but small enough that they don't care. And so by making some of those small variations, we can continue to add some range and we can continue to help our kids be flexible with the way that things are offered. This will gradually help us add nutrition and add variety, but without going so far as they love PB&J, well, today I sent them a chicken salad roll-up. That's way too big of a jump for most kids. And so we want to slowly kind of ease them just far enough outside their comfort zone that they can still succeed but continue to kind of nudge them along. And the fourth point I want to encourage you to consider kind of piggybacking on this is make sure that you're optimizing your weekends or your non-school days. This might be the seasons where, you know, we just got off of a holiday break and a lot of my one-on-one clients, we were talking about how can you be really intentional with this three, four weeks that you have off so that when your kids go back to school, you have that much more of a springboard to go off of. And so it might for you be that Saturdays and Sundays are the best time because kind of counter to the environment of school, it's less rushed. It's more casual. It's a little bit more free and easygoing for your family for the breakfast, lunches, and dinners that you're eating and helping expose your child to learning at food as those eating opportunities. But those are also a great time to help expand the love at foods that your child has, bring them along in the process. And that really gets us to step five, not only just optimizing when you're offering those learning at foods to leverage some new options for lunches, but also where you're beginning to include your child in the process. This can be things as simple as conversations when you open up their lunchbox that looks barely touched. It can be so triggering as a parent, but instead of being triggered in that moment, on the times that you do have the capacity to calm yourself and ask questions instead of assume you can then begin asking them, hey, tell me what was going on at lunch today or who'd you sit with or how did you feel like you had enough time? Ask questions to help gain insight because the more conversations and understanding we can have, the better we can work as a team to help support our child with the lunch that either we're packing or when able, they're hopefully helping us pack. And so some of the things that we mentioned, you can do trial runs with them. You can kind of do a practice picnic with a new lunch or a new lunchbox or a new offering that maybe otherwise might feel unfamiliar to them. You can also have them help pack lunches and have kind of guided choice in the process. All of these things are things that we can do to help increase the likeliness that our child has a sense of felt safety and is comfortable and hopefully excited about what's been packed in their lunchbox. So come lunchtime, they're eager to eat what's offered. You can feel rested and reassured that I know that they're going to eat. I know that they have enough fuel to get them through the day. And I know that they're going to eat what their body needs because I can say firsthand that while, yes, I shared in this conversation that as a new mom and sending my oldest to kindergarten and even much earlier than that when she was in mom's day out and I'd send these really idealistic lunch boxes and so many things were untouched because so many of the foods were learning at foods. I can tell you that now as 
I do follow and adhere to these, you know, five tips here with my own kids, there's still days that their lunchboxes don't come back empty. So just know that an empty lunchbox is not always the end goal. The end goal is that our child has enough food to eat to fuel themselves for their day. And so when I see lunchboxes come back with Levitt food that aren't necessarily finished, I'm okay with that because I know that, wow, they must have really just had enough. They get to choose if, whether, and how much they ate, and they chose that they had had enough. And so I can rest assured that I'm offering enough. Sometimes I can see if they wiped out everything and really did come back with an empty lunchbox. Then again, I want to be curious and ask questions. Did you feel like this was enough? Would you like me to send more of that? Was a half a sandwich enough or would you rather there be a full sandwich? Some of these conversations and questions can be helpful to ask. It has been a joy having you on the podcast today. And if you've enjoyed it as well, I have a quick favor to ask. Do you mind hopping over to Apple Podcasts and leaving me a written review? This will only take you a hot second, but it truly blesses me every time I get to read what one of you write over there. And it allows me to bless others through this podcast and the episodes to come. The other thing that you can do is to take a screenshot of this episode and tag me over on Instagram at veggies and virtue. I would love to see what action steps that you're taking from this episode and also to support your family in the journey moving forward. Until next time, thanks for coming over to chat at my kitchen counter. Remember that you will always have a seat and a snack waiting for you here.